to the Early Way In Podcast. Back at it after UFC 273 to break down Saturday's card. Looks like we're back at the apex for UFC Vegas 51. It's headlined by a rematch between top welterweights. We got Vicente Luque taking on Bilal Muhammad. Luque, the only person to ever finish Bilal Muhammad. It's a rematch five years in the making. It should be a real interesting one. Um, the winner could find themselves pretty close to the strap, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, but Man, outside of that main event, does this fight card kind of, you know, fall short uh, being a good one. But a lot of those ones that look bad on paper, man, it's the ones that always end up producing a ton of finishes, ends up being a good one that flies underneath the radar. Bad night at the office from us both last week. Um, you know, we were hit by another fight that canceled right before the fight night and everything with Rosenstroik and um, Tibera. But we did give out a couple winning spots. Both of our prop bets from the section and the um, Mark Madsen by decision and Volk inside the distance hit. Gall versus Mallet under two and a half. Another first round finish there. And I don't really know how the under two and a half did not hit in Hamzat versus Gilbert Burns. Fight of the lifetime. That fight alone cost us a bunch and maybe a little bit of a square play on Peter Yan at the same time. Yeah, man. You know, like you said, tough night at the office and uh, back in the casual cap again <laughs> this week. Um, we take a look at, at your card. First off, the Ian Gary play at minus 184, 30-27, the mm -hmm. dude. He looked, uh, he looked great, and at that price tag, uh, I think that was probably your best play of the Absolutely. night. Um, you talked about Jan kind of being a little bit of a square play. We both knew that he was going in there against some high-level competition in Aljo Sterling, and uh, it was uh, greasy. I think we, you know, we expected maybe a little bit of greasiness yeah. in the fight, but we, we thought that the price tag, right? And we definitely thought that Jan would start taking over a little bit more dominantly in those right. later rounds. Um, so that that was a big one for both you and I. Yeah. And to continue on, both you and I kind of getting caught up in the hype. Uh, Kamzat Chimaev yeah. not cashing inside the distance. I think the line that we were getting at minus one sixty five was the correct play to play him but uh you know obviously just not not the not the right play um you had finished the night minus 3.4 units um i would have wanted that on the next week yes on the next week looking over at my card um again the yawn kind of got in the way tried to parlay him and it just even with a good price tag didn't pan out um i really overextended on the chamayev inside the distance those are four and a half units right there and um, overall, just not a great night. The at least I had the Volkanovski inside the distance to kind of stop the bleeding, um, but still overall not a good night at the office. Minus ten point one five units, and uh, yeah, tough pill to swallow. But hoping to get back on it this week. In our main event, we have a matchup between two top welterweight contenders between Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque. Uh, this is a five-round rematch between these two fighters. Mm -hmm. The original fight taking place a little over five years ago, when both these fights had less than both these fighters had less than five fights in their UFC careers. Uh, since that, both fighters have now eclipsed 15 fights in the UFC, with Bilal going 10 and one and Luke going 10 and two in between that time from their first match. Um, stylistically, I think we have a, a rather simple fight to break down. Um, you know, we've seen in the past Bilal mix in his technical boxing as well as his grappling mm -hmm. but I, I think he's learned from that last fight with Luke that uh, he's not the guy to try and test your boxing right. out with try and stand up with um, you know and maybe the only guy that that was able to stand up with Vicente Luque was Stephen Thompson mm -hmm. and um, MMA math tells you that Bilal should have the advantage just coming off of a win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and I, I think that's a perfect fight to look at at what I think he's gonna have to do in right. this fight against Luque 
Um, now that's not going to be an easy task against Luke, who's a, has a much more uh, dangerous grappling game than Wonder Boy does. Sure. Luke, BJJ black belt, we just saw that on display in his last two wins with Michael Chiesa mm-hmm. and Tyron Woodley um, when he got you know his quote unquote favorite submission, the Darce choke. Um, overall, I think this fight will be much closer than that first meetup between the two, but I, I think it'll have similar results. Luke's a, a tough guy to to keep on the ground, and I have a hard time believing that in. Bilal's first full five-round fight that he's going to be able to keep that pace over 25 minutes. I actually lean towards Luke inside the distance here, but I'm curious to see how you're you're thinking about it as well before I lay that that price tag. I'm leaning the same way, man. I, I'm a big fan of Vicente Luque. You know that. Perfect fighter, in my opinion, to, to throw in a main event slot. He's got 19 of his 21 wins inside the distance, and yeah, I think Bilal gets added to that for a second time on Saturday. He splits time, some in Brazil, some at Sanford MMA, where, you know, he's super good friends with Gilbert Burns, who was just in a really good camp. So I'm expecting, you know, Vicente Luque to have his, his head on his shoulders and be in good shape here. Um, Bilal, you know, obviously going to come in here to wrestle, but I think, like you talked about, the clearest advantage of this fight is Luque on the feet. You know, mm-hmm. his nasty boxing, he's willing to sit in a pocket and throw with you money left hook. Um, and he's got an insane calf kick. Bilal's a conventional fighter, man, and we saw Bilal get torn up in that Diego Lima fight by the calf kick. So I think that's just something that's, you know, Bilal being heavy on the lead leg trying to wrestle in this fight, that calf kick's going to be open all day. And then you mentioned the Darce choke when Bilal wants to take it to the ground. Luque has tools to deter it there and, and even finish the fight there like Wonder Boy did not. Um, Bilal's just, he's kind of been on our shit list, kind of our fade list. You know, we don't. I, I will say I think he's a complete fighter, but the guy does not really wow me in any real areas. You know, he's got a pretty good gas tank, a pretty good wrestling, pretty good volume. Um, I know he's going to press for takedowns, but I, there's no real clear advantage he has in a lot of fights that I see him in. And when I look at this run he's going on, you know, Curtis Millinder, worst takedown defense of all time, not in the UFC anymore. Takashi Sato, another example of just piss poor takedown defense. You know, Lyman Good, he's a 50-50 UFC fighter. We haven't seen him since. Diego Lima retired. Damian Maya should be retired. And, you know, coming off a loss, Wonderboy coming off a loss, it, it's really not all that impressive to me when you look at a fight like he like he's going to have with Luke A. I go back to the Jeff Neal fight, another striker in him that has potential to keep this on the feet. And Bilal was just getting tagged up, dropped three, or two or three times in the third round. Um, I'm on Vicente Luque money line for two units, and I absolutely think he can finish it inside the distance. To speak of another striker that he got matched up again, the Leon Edwards fight. I know we only got one full round of that, but we saw how that fight was going. Leon Edwards had the tools to keep it standing on the feet, and I think Luque could implement a similar game plan. The Bilal Muhammad side, I know he's going to wrestle, man. Luque has not faced very many grapplers himself outside of Michael Chiesa. Bilal by decision plus 250. It's like less than 30% implied odds. And if he's going to win, man, I do think Bilal wins this by decision. Luque's never been finished. Bilal has one finish. If I'm playing Bilal, it's by decision probably. Um, but, man, I hope Luque just goes in there and starches him. Mm-hmm. In our co-main event, we're in middleweight where we see Kyle Baralho taking on Godzi Omar Godzi. Uh Pretty weird fight, man, if I must say. You know, you got two guys debuting in the UFC from Contender Series, and they're in the co-main event. To their defense, and what I thought was a rather weaker season of talent on the Contender Series, this is two of the better guys I thought that they, you know, they signed. Um, it just screams pass to me from a betting perspective, but in terms of how I'm going to break it down, you know, Brahos, he's withdrawn from his last two, where they try to match him up with Stolfus and Pickett, which I think are a little bit easier matchups than what he's coming in here to. 
Um, but he had a big upset on the Contender Series, knocking off Aaron Jeffrey, who was a you know pretty good prospect that the UFC liked. Got a win over Petrowski and stuff. On the feet, Brown was pretty good. Nice southpaw, good straight left, nice high kick. Um, and then with Omar Gaziev, you know, he's the 13-0 fighter. I'll kind of let you get into that a little bit. Um, you know, he seems more experienced on paper, man. Um, but outside of his wrestling, I don't really see much of I like. I don't know how the gas tank is. I think Kyle is an interesting dog, but I think it could be lined appropriately as the grappling upside could lean to Gaziev. Again, pass for me, man, but how do you see this one? Uh, yeah, I think I think Kyle's an actually a, a pretty promising fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he has that karate-style stance. He has that in-and-out movement, mm-hmm. kind of bouncing real, uh, pretty often in his fights. And uh, he fights for the center of the octagon, and he kind of thrives whenever he's got his opponent on the back foot right. with their back against the cage. Um, you talked about his straight left, and, you know, he throws a lot of those rangy, prodding shots like the teeth kick, the mm-hmm. side kick, the, the uh, oblique kick. Um, and it really disrupts the timing of his opponents and kind of helps him maintain that distance. Um, he's got a very measured approach to his striking game. Like, I, I personally want to point out the the patience that he showed in the finishing sequence in his last fight on the Contender Series. Um, you know, it was a, kind of an okay win, but it was up a weight class, and he, he didn't get overzealous in the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the, the skepticism and... and uh, Gadzi's 13 and 0 record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has, um, you know, he, he fought in a lot of Dagestani Russian organizations on the come up, and he has losses on his amateur record that are right in the middle of his <laughs> pro record uh, stretch. So, you know, there's a lot of questions knockout on if he's in losses. It. Yeah, knockout losses in the first round. There's a lot of questions on if he's he's truly 13 and 0. Um, the main problem I have with Gadzi uh, is, you know, judging by the tape, he, he's just like it's like it looks like he took um, Khabib's blueprint of, mm-hmm. of how to how to win in the UFC and he's rolling with it, um, but it, he does um, allow to kind of stand up in the fight early and I think that that's where he could get into some trouble if mm-hmm. Kayo does start figuring out that timing. It's going to be a a long fight for Gatsi if he can't get it to the ground. If he does, um, he is just that mauling Russian mm-hmm. and I think that he could probably um, thirty twenty seven Kayo here. Um, I'm probably going to lay off, but I think live, um, you could you could definitely see if Kayo, how the fight's going to go for right. Kayo, depending on how he responds to that first takedown attempt from Godzi. I love the live spot on him. Um, you know, with Baralho in the Contender Series fight, he gave up a ton of cage control to Aaron Jeffrey, and that's something that worries me a little bit here with Godzi, who's going to try to push that wrestling pace. He may just be able to kind of hold him up against a cage, maybe hold him on the mat. But then again, when I look at, you know, uh, Cal, his... Uh, tapology record. There was no footage of it online that I tried to watch, but he went 15 minutes with light heavyweight Jolton Almeida in a um, in a grappling match, mm-hmm. and staying safe for 15 minutes when with a motherfucker like that makes me think that maybe he can stay safe, especially in round one. Maybe chart to eat at the gas tank of Godziev, and, and and like you said, maybe if there's a spot live, he does come back and take this one. Yeah, and you know to talk more about that gas tank, he had a fight with Wildemar Santos, and uh, that was a five five round fight. And he was striking all the way up until the fifth round where he shot a takedown of his own. And I was like, okay, so this guy does have a complete game to him. Um, so I, I am kind of curious to see if he can extend this fight and kind of make Gatsy show a little bit more of his game ra- um, rather than just grappling approach. I haven't bet it yet, but it seems like to me potentially a dog or pass situation here. Mm-hmm. My fight of the night pick is in the heavyweight division where we see William Knight taking on Devin Clark. 
Um, this fight is taking up a weight or taking place up a weight class mm -hmm. from both these competitors' normal class. Um, it'll definitely be interesting to see them size up after the weigh-ins. You know, looking at Clark, I've always thought of him um, as kind of a blown-up middleweight, um, and then you know, he's been able to make some some decent waves at light heavyweight, and it's because of his technical wrestling. Mm -hmm. But um, he's always kind of struggled being the undersized guy. Um, for Knight, he's kind of always been known for his brute strength as a fighter rather than his technique. Um, you know, I just saw a video of him last week bench pressing 490 pounds, which shouldn't be possible for an MMA fighter. Um, although his height has always been an issue for him at light heavyweight, mm -hmm. he, he definitely has the size to hang with anybody. Um, I've never been too high on Knight as a fighter. You know, he's a physical specimen, but he shows some glaring holes in his grappling and his striking defense that tell you that he's um, still very green when it comes mm -hmm. to the technical side of MMA. I think Clark is the far better wrestler of these two and probably the more polished striker out of the two, but there's a huge issue I have with him taking this fight. Um, he's only about six months removed from his the bottom row of his teeth being smashed into his mouth by Ian Kutilava. Um And from the picture that I saw, I can't imagine he's been able to take any hard shots and sparring yeah. for the majority of the time between this fight right here. Um, he's now matched up against one of the more menacing power punchers in the UFC, and I do think that he could have some trouble. Um, a fight that I really like to draw draw on is the Alonzo Minifield Devin Clark fight. You know, that's another example of Clark being undersized against a power puncher and just narrowly escaping yeah. getting finished. You know, one for his dad in the corner. <laughs> right, and, and it, right, it wasn't an easy win for him, and he definitely had to withstand that early damage mm -hmm. from Alonzo. Um, now I just think he's he's up against somebody who has beat Alonzo Minifield and has you know probably twenty pounds on Devin Clark at least uh, come way in time. Um, I think I think Clark does get caught, so uh, I'm looking to play. You know, maybe this is a little tease on my underdog pick as well. I don't know how I'll see this one to be honest with you, man. It's a first at heavyweight for both of these guys. Um, for William Knight, you know, we always talked about him being outsized for light heavyweight. He's definitely going to be outsized at heavyweight moving forward if he's not pretty selective with his matchmaking. But he he's on he's on the list of guys that I, I try to fade almost every chance I get. He's strength over technique like you said in a lot of things there's like little to no volume striking is bare minimum he just puts himself you know leaves the chin up in the air backs himself up against the cage and it's just not what I like to see and I think it could potentially give Devin um, the opportunity to land those takedowns if he's backing up against the cage um, with Clark though you know you got to give it to the man he's been in there with some of the best in the division at light heavyweight um, and it, it's really hard to get things going when you look at it. He, he comes in and puts a few wins together up front in his UFC career, and then he gets Blockowitz. Then you win a fight, and then he gets handed Rockage. He goes on to win like three of his next four, and he gets handed Anthony Smith. You know, And, and then even like you talked about in the last one with Ion Kutalabe, still a top 15 light heavyweight, but the previous three I mentioned are, are top five in the world at the moment. So he's, mm -hmm. he's fighting real good competition, man. His dad's got him in his corner motivating him. I think he can push a higher pace for a little bit longer than um, than William Knight's going to be able to, and I got to favor the wrestler. But a minus one eighty, first time at heavyweight, I'm not touching him, and I, I feel like there could be some value on your on your underdog. I think he's going to come in bloated, and that's <laughs> what I worry about his cardio. He has been yeah. able to keep it up in the past, but I think if he is carrying extra muscle, and he better be if he's fighting William Knight, who's mm -hmm. been known to get up to the 250-pound mark out of out of season, out of competition, um, I think that his, his cardio will be a huge question carrying all that extra weight. For my fight of the night, I chose Rafa Garcia taking on Jesse Ronson. Um, I thought it'd be a good fight to break down. The line's close. Seeing a whole lot of action coming in already on this fight, particularly on Jesse Ronson. 
and I think I'm leaning the other way. You know, I've already got some action on Rafa Garcia, so I thought this would be a good one to, to break down and get into here with Garcia. You know, training out of Denver, Colorado under Trevor Whitman, phenomenal training partners to work with, Gaethje, Neil Magny. You know, Cub Swanson was a part of getting this guy big for the longest time, in his corner and everything like that. Um, extremely good, strong on the mat, very good boxing, sharp left hook, durable as hell. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys that came into the UFC on a short notice, but he, he basically laid his heart out, man, gave us a fantastic fight on short notice, and his stock went through the roof after that fight with Nazrat. And we see him come in as the minus 300 to Chris Gutzmacher. And, you know, to be honest with you, he almost covered it in the first round with that left hook and pretty much made an amateur mistake, couldn't put Chris away. And, and then eventually Chris just walks you down and makes you, you know, use all your energy using all the lateral movement. And, you know, his gas tank failed him, but... Last time out against Natan Levy, you know, another very talented grappler that he shot 12 takedowns against, wrestled smart at the very end of rounds. I thought the cardio held up perfectly fine, um, and I'm ready to bank on it. I think holding up perfectly fine in this one against Jesse Ronson. Um, second time in the UFC, I mean, Michelle Pereira's, Francisco Trinaldo, Kevin Lee, pretty rough stretch, you know, for your first three UFC fights. Um, and he bounced back in a second opportunity there, knocking out Nicholas Dalby at 170 pounds. Man, when you watch that fight, it's one of the worst game plans I've ever seen from Dalby. It's like he didn't respect him. He just, you know, unintelligently, no striking defense, just walks after him. And, and he gets dropped with the punch. I don't want to really say, you know, too much. It was USADA suspension. But, you know, Ronson's taking it on short notice and things like that. So I don't think he's deliberately cheating here. You know, for the longest time he was in other organizations where the stuff's allowed. And I personally don't know if you're going to get the same, you know, Jesse Ronson this time around who's been out. More than a year, he's 37 years old. He's going to be able to make you know that cut to lightweight for the first time in like three years. The last three fights have also ended in the first round. So if this guy's historically made to wrestle, that's the way you beat him. And I think that's where Rafa takes over this fight. I think he's durable. I think he's tough, and I think he wrestles his way to a decision here. Yeah, I think that I'm with you on maybe there's an overreaction to the Dalby win mm -hmm. and uh, maybe even an overreaction to Garcia's loss to Chris Grootsmacher. Exactly. Um, I know that there's a lot of you know controversy of where this fight's taking place, and if it is taking place at 155, I do think that that, that uh, helps out Garcia right. tremendously. Garcia, honestly, he's undersized for 155, mm -hmm. much less 170, yeah. and Ronson's going to have a really tough weight cut, so that's not going to work into his favor. Um I, I like it, although it is scary seeing all the love coming in on on Ronson. Yeah, I, but I, I I'm got with in you, Garcia, early and seeing that does make me start to worry. And, and it's kind of like Mike Mallett last week. You're kind of just guessing on you know how he's going to look coming mm -hmm. back with a full camp. He's 36 years old now, um, and this is a I don't know. This is a good test to see if if Jeff, Jesse Ronson ever really deserved to be in the UFC. My fighter to watch is going to be Miguel Baeza. Um, Baeza is now coming off back-to-back -back losses after such a promising 3-0 start to his UFC career. Um, his last loss came to KO, by KO, it's in none other than Chaos <laughs> Williams, man. And uh, it was in round three of a fight that I thought that Baeza was coasting in, honestly. Um, sadly, this isn't the first time that we've seen those weaknesses in his chin. Um, I think the first time that I noticed it was in his fight with Matt Brown, yeah. where he got caught early. Um, and, you know, the biggest red flag in Baeza's game is his inability to move his head off that center line. Um, from what it's, for what it's worth, his high guard does a decent job at protecting him from single shots, but it's when his opponents throw in combination that we see the, them start mm -hmm. to land on the chin of Baeza. Um, offensively, 
Baez is an absolute monster, especially with his leg kicks. He's, he's finished Hector Aldana with him, given Pontanibio all he can yeah. take, and uh, was killing Chaos with him the entire fight before the KO. Um, so it's definitely one of the strongest suits of his game. And he also has a great jab, good crisp boxing technique, and he looks like he could be a real problem for the division. But um, that, that willingness to engage in a slugfest has caused questions surrounding his chin, which is never a good sign for a fighter that's still under 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, UFC is kind of testing this theory by matching him up with the notorious you know, first-round mm-hmm. fin- finisher and Andre Fialho. Um, I think it's a gr- great opportunity for Baeza to kind of shut up those doubters, put on a good, solid performance for 15 minutes. Um, but I do think he's going to have to endure that, that early pressure that Fialo brings in all of his performances, similar to um, uh, Michelle Piera had right. to do in their fight. Um, so with Baeza, uh, good good head on his shoulders, high fight IQ, I think that he can get it done. But he's, he's going to have to... Uh, uh, you know, endure that first initial storm of, of Fiara. I think it's a good pick for a fighter to watch because what was looked at as one of the better prospects in the welterweight division for a little while, you know, is now, like you said, on a two-fight losing streak and really needs to get back on track. Um, definitely think he's a more talented fighter of the two here. Uh, Fialho was taking some hard shots from Michelle Perea like three months ago. He stepped in on short notice. Um, I won't be shocked if Baeza gets back on track here with the kill shot, but like you said, you know, you've seen him struggle with that with that Fialho style before, and I think we're in for a very, very fun fight, if you want my honest opinion. Um, for me, man, my fighter to watch, none other than my boy Pat Sabatini, you know. Pat's my dude. I think he is a highly slept-on contender in the featherweight division. He's not the most wowing guy, but, man, I think this guy's got very, very legit grappling that could that could get him a long way in this division. Trains out of a great camp under Daniel Gracie in Philly with Petrosky, Sean Brady, Jeremiah Wells, some very good talent there. He wrestled collegiately, a very dangerous black belt on the mat. He's finished ten of his wins by six, ten of his sixteen wins by sub. That heel hook of Jamal Emrys just, you know, shows his ability on the mat. Um, he, you know, the Tristan Connolly fight was probably the what people would say is a hold for him, but. Mm-hmm. The cardio did not look good in round three, but that's his debut. You know, he, he's also trying to wrestle a guy that was used to be a 170 or who was probably very strong on the mat and led to, um, you know, the Tucker Lutz, in my opinion, getting a lot of love that last time out. And Pat Sabatini goes out there and just 30-27s him. I think uh, I think he's a better wrestler than TJ Laramie. I don't, I don't think that Pat Sabatini is the best striker, but I'm not really necessarily worried about the striking of TJ Laramie necessarily in this matchup either. Laramie's been chin-checked twice. He's small for the division. Um, could, honestly, in my opinion, could be a bantamweight. Um, and he relies heavily upon that wrestling in order to have success, and there's no way you're out-wrestling Pat Sabatini on Saturday. I think Pat's got him covered everywhere. I think, honestly, it's a, kind of a step down in competition, if you want my honest opinion, after beating you know Jamal Emmers and um, and Tucker Lutz. I don't necessarily get the matchmaking, but I think it's another win on his record. I think he's a safe parlay piece, in my opinion. I won't be shocked if he submits T.J. Laramie either. Yeah, I think uh, yeah you you covered you covered everything that you could. You talked about the striking of Laramie maybe being better, but it's the the grappling edge that uh, Pat Sabatini right. has that's so much better that it's um it's probably how this fight's going to be determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's a great fighter to watch. My underdog of the week is William Knight. You know, I, I think William Knight, he's a decent underdog option. Um, he's he's going to have all the finishing upside here with his power. I think he'll be the much bigger guy in the cage Saturday. 
Uh, Clark, once he loses some of that explosiveness and his takedowns, I think that Knight could even surprise us using his strength and size mm -hmm. to win some of those positional battles up against the fence during the fight, which will ultimately win him rounds as well. Um, not to mention Clark's return to the octagon. I feel is a little premature with the amount of damage he sustained in his last fight against Kute Lava. Um, the line's kind of steadily been moving in favor of Clark this week, so I'm kind of waiting it out until I can get a better number on William Knight. Mm -hmm. He might make appear an appearance on my actual <laughs> betting card, but I do think that as far as uh, the underdogs on this card, he's one of your better options. I'm with you, man. To be honest with you, I don't think there's a, a lot of underdogs that come out successful on Saturday, but... I think I'm going to lean the other way than you, but I'm definitely not getting to the window on Devin Clark because it's a tricky-ass fight, and I think William Knight makes all of his fights super dicey. But to see him kind of outgrappled by Donovan Jones and kind of back up against the fence like that. I'm pretty high on Donovan Jones. I know, but he's more of a person, you know, prided himself as a striker and mm -hmm. was out there just tossing William Knight around and things. So, um, yeah, but you're right on the Devin Clark side, man. Him coming up to heavyweight, uh, maybe not training that much lately. The gas tank might not be good enough to wrestle like he needs to. And, and yeah, good luck winning the positional battle against William Knight. Right. Uh, my underdog of the week is somebody that I'm typically um, not backing as well. I'm going to take Jordan Leavitt at, at plus 112. I'm um, not a big fan of this guy at all. I think he's a glorified Chase Hooper at lightweight, if you want my honest opinion. Uh, extremely one-dimensional. Striking is nowhere near where it needs to be, you know, to be in the UFC and probably has the best, best manager in the game, man. You get Matt Wyman for your debut, who's off for like four years or whatever. Then you get Matt Sales. The guy was just matched up, was coming off the contender series. I mean, it's just, it's very generous matchups for him. And then, you know, you're getting Trey Hodgson, who's coming here on short notice. Um, Trey Hodgson's game, it, him, it takes place where Jordan Leavitt is the best, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. I think the Leavitt sub is inevitable on Saturday, potentially. Um, Trey is, like I said, taking on short notice. The guy's not really been consistent over the last couple of years. He's got two fights in the last three years, the last one over seven months ago, and I don't think any of that is in your favor when you need to grapple, and that's your type of style. You know, I, I, you would like to be in the best shape possible coming into it. Um, Glory MMA as well, I've lost count how many times their fighters lose cardio in round three and end up losing. Um, I could very well stab and leave it in round three here. Hodgson's been subbed in his last three losses. So, you know, a guy in Jordan Levitt, usually not high on him, um, but for the newcomer to be here on short notice and so much of his success, you know, rely upon where Jordan's so good at. I'm going to go with Jordan Levitt as the, as the underdog for me. Yeah, not a usual guy that we're used to no. backing at all. Um, I, I think that all... Uh, Ogden, he's a big guy for the division, mm -hmm. used to be a welterweight, right. so if they're both grappling, I think that the strength factor could come into play with, with Jordan Levitt, um, but I do hope he gets the get the win and do your you know your favorite celebration, that splits. Little splits. Yeah. Uh, Fandle, they always have those props out there where you can bet how the fight ends um, by point sub TKO. Um, 14 of 19 fights Hodgson's have ended by sub, 6 of Jordan's 10 have ended by sub. I'm very curious on what that number is going to be. I played the knockout um, in the main event last week at mm -hmm. plus 200. Um, if I can get a, a line like that, I think this fight 100% probably ends in a submission. My prop bet for this card is going to be the Nunez by TKO prop. And it's not out on either one of our books yet, mm -hmm. but uh, we're looking at it to be 5-1, uh, to 6-1 to one odds. Nice. Um, and I, I think this, this is just a perfect time to get a killer price tag on a Nunez finish here. Um, as of now, it's been four fights in six years since we saw the last finish from Nunez, but let's take a look at those last four girls. 
uh, Maya Yamaguchi, who's never been finished in 36 pro fights, mm-hmm. Angela Lee, who's the current one strawweight champion, uh, Gina Inong, who, you know, to be fair, I would have I would have liked to have seen a finish there, but she's a tough girl, having only been finished one time in her 15 fight career. Um, and then lastly, her debut against Ariana Carnalosi. That's a death sentence for the majority of the divi- uh, for majority of debutantes. And uh, she hit Carnalosi with some shots that would have put out the majority of the right. roster. Um, looking at the regional scene footage, she looks like she is two different people from then versus now. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that she got popped with some PEDs, but regardless, those those drugs have had a lasting effect on her. Uh, since she's been training at American Top Team, she, Top Team, she looks absolutely shredded. Um, I think being under 30 years old and adding a full year training at one of the best camps that you can yeah. be training at, she's going to look like a, a, a whole new fighter. Um, Hughes doesn't move her head very well at all. She uh, she tries to implement a grappling heavy game in the octagon, but rarely does she find success. Even in some of the, against some of the smaller girls in the division, like Loma Lookboomy, she's getting out grappled and out muscled. Um, and I think she'll find herself completely outmatched on the feet here, and eventually um, we'll get KO'd or the doctor will step in, like the Tisha Torres fight. Um, I, I really like Nunez TKO here, and I think that this is just a prime opportunity to get a great price tag on it. I mean, we're going to get 5-1 to one on a TKO prop on a girl that got TKO'd by Tisha Torres. I am in. Dude. I like you know, too. Yes. I am in. Uh, I, you're right. She has little to no head movement. Um, and she's she's not, um, Nunez is, um, but not Sam Hughes. It's not patient in her approach. She likes to crash forward, try to press that grappling. And I think her head's going to be on the center line for Nunez to rock all night. Um, and for a woman, Nunez does have some power. Um, and, hell, that's a nice line to be able to stab on. Mm-hmm. Uh, prop I'm going to take, I'm going to take Andre Fialho and Miguel Baeza. doesn't go the distance. Sitting anywhere between minus 150 and minus 180 out there on different books. I think we're in for an all-out brawl, if you want my honest opinion. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they take home 50K um, for fight of the night or one of them takes home 50K for, for the performance of the night, man, and someone goes to sleep. Both of them been knocked out before. Um, you know, one of them coming off a knockout loss <clears throat> and one of them coming off a fight just three months ago with Michelle Pereira where he took – some really good shots, man, and I think that's a good spot where Bayes might be able to even capitalize on a you know, chin mm-hmm. that's not fully healed yet. Um, both of their backs against the wall. The finish is going to get them back on track. Both of them pride themselves on being strikers who are willing to stand in the middle um, and throw it out. Bayes is definitely the cleaner of the two. I think he's going to stand on the outside, murder up the calf kick, tear it up when Fialho goes to close distance. I think Baez is eventually going to find, you know, that kill shot upstairs. That's my guess how this fight's going to go. But at the same time, man, you look at the Chaos Williams fight, the Ponzinibbio fight, the Matt Brown fight in round one. Someone with good pressure, willing to bite down on that mouthpiece and walk forward, put Baez on his back foot where he can't let those calf kicks go. Baez doesn't have the best striking defense himself and leaves that head on the center line. Um, I, I won't be shocked if Fialho goes out there and lands a shot that puts Baez away. A um, ton of them have a ton of finishing upside, and if you're getting one minus 170 or even better, I think that's a good number to roll the dice here. Yeah, I absolutely love that number. I debated on Fialho round one being my prop <laughs> bet. I mean, I think he finds the chin of, chin of Baeza, so regardless of how you're seeing this fight, uh, I think you're getting an excellent price tag at minus one, 170 if fight doesn't go the distance. For our best bet section, I will be taking the Luke money line. Um, you know, it's still looking like it's floating around the minus 160, minus 170 yeah. range. Um, and, you know, in any rematch, I prefer having the guy who won the first one. Um, but along with that, I think Luke is a horrible stylistic matchup for Bilal. 
I doubt it'll go down the same way as it did the first time with a quick finish. Um, but Luque will make Bilal work for a full 25 minutes. And the moment that Bilal does start to show signs of slowing down, I think Luque has the game to pounce on him. Um, right now, Luque's line implies a 60% chance of winning. And uh, I kind of lean closer to him being more towards the 70%. Um, chance of winning so uh, you know I, I love the the plus EV on this play yeah. I, I think that it's a, a solid line and it looks like it's getting bet down so I'd hop on it as soon as possible I would definitely think that's more of a closer to 70% chance for Luke a. I'm, I'm in on his money line as well I think it's a bad matchup for him he's got him outclassed on the feet 100% and if he does take this fight to the mat he does have the submission skills that a lot of Bilal's opponents haven't recently mm -hmm. um, best bet for me uh, we both got Boudet on a pretty good line, under minus 200. Um, I would, a lot of times, be in a money line better myself, give you that as the best bet. Um, but it is about minus 225 now, so let's just take Martin Boudet inside the distance, minus 160, minus 170. I really have to go into much detail. I bet motherfucking Gian Vellante against Chris Barnett, you know. Um, I'll give the dude all the props in the world, um, you know, for making it to the UFC, for fighting at this high of a level, but I don't think he is UFC level. I think it's been pretty obvious what they were trying to do so far. Give Rockwell a win. Try to give Vellante a win in MSG. <laughs> um, and I think it's a pretty similar case here, man. I think they're trying to get their contender series prospect on a hot start. He's 9-1 as a pro with one loss to Juan Espino, who very talented, um, you know, and very dynamic, different skill set than a lot of heavyweights have. And while he's far less, you know, experience than Chris Barnett has, man, I think he's got him covered everywhere. I think he's a bit better striker than him. He's six foot four compared to – Barnett's five foot nine, um, and I think he can really put him away he wants. If I if I had my guess at how this goes, he's going to put Chris on the fence. He's going to land a ton of knees to the body, to the legs. He's going to exhaust him in the clinch, much like Ben Rockwell. We're going to see him eventually take that to the ground, get a ground and pound, get a sub. Um, Boudet inside the distance, man, I think is a killer bet. And if you can get that sub prop, five hundred plus five hundred or better, I think that's worth a stab as well. Yeah, the uh, the Chris Barnett. That was that was fun for yeah. a while it lasted, man. <laughs> but realistically, I don't think that he would could get a win over any other um, UFC with you. Uh, fighter on Not the roster right now. And I think you run back the Gian Vellante fight, and Vellante probably wins that the majority of the time, man. Um, but I, I can't agree more right now. Boudet's line's getting a little out of whack, getting up there in the minus 220 range mm -hmm. and above. Um, so getting him inside the distance, I, I highly doubt that Chris Barnett, being five foot nine, being overweight that yeah. he is, is going to be able to keep up that pace for 15 minutes. And just like that uh, Ben Rothwell fight, it's it's a it's a full sized heavyweight versus somebody who's just heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I think he I think he gasses him out too. I think he's mouth breathing by round two and mm -hmm. probably gives up somewhere in there, man. So I'm with that. I'm like the word agreeance on both of our best bets this week. Kicking off our quick pick section of the podcast, uh, we start off with Haley Alatang versus Kevin Kroom at uh, Bantamweight. Yeah. Uh, I personally, I think I'm going to lean Alatang here, although I wouldn't be wanting to lay that price tag on him, but I, I do favor him in this matchup. I'm with you. I, I'm not I'm not touching this fight in particular. Kevin Kroom's coming down to Bantamweight for the first time here, so I think you should wait at least to see him on the scales if you're going to take the dog shot. <laughs> Yeah, Latang Haley for me as well, possibly. Um, next one up, Estella Nunez versus Sam Hughes. I'm kind of with you on your prop. I think Nunez has real potential to possibly get her out of there. Yeah, this is Nunez's showcase fight right here, and Sam Hughes uh, back to the Invicta League. <laughs> uh, moving on, on our, we have Trey Ogden versus Jordan Levitt at uh, Lightweight. Uh, 
think I'm going to go with you and lean Jordan Levitt here, although I you know, hate saying that out loud. You and me both, man. But uh, Trey's game takes place where Jordan's best mm-hmm. and to be on short notice and things. Um, I think I think there's value on the dog in Jordan uh, Levitt. Next up, Martin Boudet, Chris Barnett, uh, easy one. Martin Boudet inside the distance. Yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't think Chris Barnett's uh, skill set is on a UFC level. Um, so I'm with you on the Boudet. And then moving on, we have Hafa Garcia versus Jesse Ronson. Um, I think that Garcia could be be in for a tough fight, man. Uh, it's hard to to try and guess how Ronson's going to look. I know he looked decent against Dalby, um, but Dalby showed a low fight IQ in that mm-hmm. fight. Um, this is a tough one. Is. I, I'm gonna, I guess, go head to head just because it's fun and pick Ronson here. It's a super tough one, man. I actually got in early on Garcia with some confidence. Starting to dwindle a little bit when you see so many names out there coming in on Ronson as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with my gut though. Take my read. Go with Rafa Garcia. Moving on up, 55 or staying at 55. Dracar Close coming back, taking on Brandon Jenkins. Um, Dracar Close by decision is gonna be a good line. I think Jenkins is durable as hell, and Close don't finish nobody. So I like your card Close by decision here, and plan on trying to bet that. I like that. I think Close is the side for sure. Brandon Jenkins, questionably even UFC caliber, right. and this is a huge step down for Dracar Close. Um, so I, I definitely like him as the side. Um, moving on, a fight that we haven't touched on at all. It's Delina Landsberg versus Panny Kiedzad um, at, at women's bantamweight. I think the line's pretty wide, man. Like I, I, I don't, I don't love where the line's set, but. Um, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean with it and go Panny Kianzad. Um, I, I think Lena Landsberg shows some some deficiencies all around in her game, and Panny should edge this one out. Although I'd never lay that on a women's. You're right, fight. man. It's women's 135. It's going to the full distance, and you're gonna sit there with a the minus 400 ticket, so you're gonna be probably sweating. But yeah, I think Panny Kianzad takes this one too. William Knight, Devin Clark. Um, like you said, let's make it interesting. I'll go head to head with you. I think Devin Clark's got this one on the scorecards. I like it. Um, although I'm still not sure if it's going to make my betting card. I like William Knight here. I think that his size is going to play a huge factor in mm-hmm. this one. Um, on our next fight, it's one that's uh, just recently come yep. together. It's Munir Laziz taking on Angie Lusa um, at welterweight. This one's going to be a great one. Yeah, I, I um, I've seen Lusa in the past. I think that he lost whenever he came on the Contender Series. That, yeah. Um, but uh, Munir is definitely a, a fun fighter to watch. So I'm going to lean him just because he's not taking – I mean, he's he's not uh, just stepping in on short notice for this fight. He had a full camp, so I'm looking to lean his way. Yeah, I mean, he lost to Jack Della Maddalena, who we there big fans of, yeah. you know, exactly cashed on him, uh, knocking out old Pete Rodriguez. Uh, coming in on short notice, never really in your favor, but I know he trains out of a good camp, used to train with Usman. Um I'm going to take Lazez, but, um, you know, on a full camp, it could be a different story. Next one, easy one for me, Pat Sabatini taking on TJ Laramie. I think Pat's got him covered everywhere. That is a level of wrestling I'll back all day long, Pat Sabatini. I'm with you on that. I think Pat Sabatini should roll. Uh, moving on, we're, we go to a fight that I know you have a little bit har- yeah. more of an opinion than I do. It's Marabueno Silva taking on Wu Yanan at uh, women's bantamweight. Uh, I think, you know, we could be in for a shit show. Marabuena Silva hasn't really shown um, the highest level fight IQ. So if she does, you know, decide to try and keep this on the feet, I think it could get sketchier than it needs to be. But I, I do think that she covers uh, Yanan pretty much everywhere. I'm with you, man. I uh, I personally am not a big fan of Yanan Wu. I think she is 
Um, not really the best of fighters, and I think Mara Buena Silva has fought some pretty good, tough competition right out the gates for her. Am I, am I crazy about the number? Not at all. Um, but in Pat Sabatini um, with the parlay, I think she's going to be the right side for me. Next up, a super excited fight, man. Uh, Andre Fialho, Miguel Baeza. I does not think it, this sees the full scorecards, um, but I think Baeza is going to get back on track. Uh, another one where I, I guess I'm going to be taking the underdog in Fialho. I uh, definitely wouldn't play him straight up. I like the the TKO first mm-hmm. round prop. I think that he's shown a he's been pretty consistent with coming out hot and then kind of fading towards the mm-hmm. end. So that's the only way that I'd want to play him with the chinniness that Bia right. Baeza has shown. Um, in the co-main event, we have uh, Kal Baralho versus Godzi Omar Godziev, and um, I'm gonna go with uh, Mr. Free Spirit. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I wish that he would go with that as a nickname. It's kind of like you know Darren Elkins going with the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> like, just doesn't really work out. But I do think that he's a pretty promising prospect, and I, I think he'll get the win. Uh, you know, the more I looked into it and stuff like that, and, and talking you with it, and seeing some some good people that I respect online on Brawl Hope, I think he I think he's got some value sitting there as an underdog. So I don't mind taking him as well. Main event. I think I've uh, went into detail on who I like here, Vicente Luque, inside the distance. Yes, Vicente Luque is the side. I just don't think Bilal is going to show up in his first real five-rounder. Man, we got 14 fights on Saturday. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us, uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.